Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him on a life-transforming journey. And now, here's Pastor Lorian to introduce today's sermon. In Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14, we read, This is Jesus talking to His disciples. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. What would you do with the gifts, the talents, what God has invested in your life? What have you been doing with them in light of eternity? As believers, we we have the joy in both reciting and believing that verse that says, If anyone is in Christ, for the one that is in Christ, there is no condemnation. We've received salvation through grace, and there's that joy and rest in the peace that we don't strive to be forgiven. We come to Him because He draws us. We come to Him because He has awakened our heart. We surrender in repentance, and we're saved. The problem, however, is we may have received this truth and this joy, but it's only half that lesson. When the truth is that we're saved by grace, but as His children in the kingdom, we will be judged by works. Judgment, what are you talking about? As believers, we do not want to think, nor do we take in consideration what it means to be judged Even the Lord says that we will be judged for every word that comes out of our mouth. That should shudder you real quick of all the things we say when we say it. The Lord knows that we, we will be judged by the Lord Jesus. Not towards salvation, but within that era, atmosphere, and the world of of heavens. We are to be judged. It's hard to accept that, and nor do we preach it. But here is the Lord talking about the kingdom. And up to this chapter, He talks about the kingdom of heaven is like this. And the kingdom of heaven is like this. And now He comes to chapter 25, and within this dissertation about His coming, the end of the world, the pains, the birth pains of the coming of the Lord, He starts chapter 25 saying the kingdom of heaven is like 10 virgins and they're waiting, they're waiting for the, for the bridegroom to show up and five were foolish and five were wise and the disciples are listening. This is the Lord's teaching right before he's about to go to the cross. So he's laying down the most important All of the three years he's taught them, he's taught them for such a moment as this, for them to pay attention, for them to understand what are these last instructions of the things to come. You're not to worry about the day and the time. He repeats that over and over again. No man knows, don't worry about the day or the time, but you must be prepared for I am coming back. 
as he's about to go to the cross and his disciples will see him no more, they're about to be tested. They're about to be sifted, as he said. Satan is asked to sift you, to try you, but I've prayed for you. He reminds them that the day is coming. Though now they will see him beaten and crucified, though they will wonder where is our Messiah, because he's dying on a cross, he reminds them the day is coming when he will come back. He will come back and judge all men, and that they as his disciples, which translates to you and I, we must be ready. The whole text is about being prepared. Looking at the ten virgins, and now with the ten talents, the, the, the talents that are given, both parables looking towards the kingdom of heaven, especially in anticipating his return, we see two differences. When he talks to, about the, the, the ten virgins, five were foolish, five were wise. Five were wise where they, they waited for him and they had oil in their lamps. Uh, five of them had the, had the lamp but no oil. They didn't care. They were not prepared. The Lord says, be prepared. And we've got to ask the question. Recently, as I shared with someone um, a video about the Lord's coming, the response was, I must be ready. Well, the question is, what does it mean to be ready? For there's nothing you can do for salvation except to accept Jesus, to surrender, to, to be born again in His new kingdom. That is the prerequisite of being ready. But for His disciples, for you and me, being ready means much, much more. He stresses the need to be prepared. And now, with the talents, he brings up the importance of being productive. In the first illustration, he talks about watching for the Lord. For he may come at night, noonday, we don't know, be watching, be ready. But now, with the talents, he stresses the fact that we must be working for the Lord. We're introduced again in this idea of the kingdom. And within the kingdom, he says there's tares and there's wheat. And we don't know which is which. Only God does. He knows. But the day will come when the Lord will separate the two. The goats and the lambs. That's the kingdom. And God calls all to be saved. And within this illustration, this parable, the distinction actually makes that separation within your own heart. Do you belong to Him? Or are you just religious? Are you just going through the motions? Or are you headed for heaven? And in this case, there's the idea that a true disciple, one that is truly born again, is working for the Lord. He has fruit. We, we entitle this passage, The Reckoning. No one likes the reckoning if they're not ready. No one likes April 15th. No matter how many times it gets postponed and pushed back, if you're not ready, if your books are not up to date and the cash has not been paid, you do not like April 15th. And so, what does that have to do with the children of the Lord? Well, back in college, I had church history. 
one of my classes. And first day of the semester, the, the teacher said, his name was Dr. Matheny, a name that should live in infamy in my life. I will never forget Dr. Matheny. He said, in this class, I will assign you and you have the option to do a thesis that is 20 pages with all the requirements, with all the structure and all the background study. And if you will not do this 20 page paper, don't even think about getting an A. And you must sign up right now to commit that you will do this thesis or not. Once you sign up that you will do it, you cannot back up, back out. If you don't sign up, you cannot sign in. And I chose that day, and I, I said, I will do. I need to get an A in this class. So I signed up. I started work at like no other class ahead of time, began to do my thesis, which was on Constantine becoming a Christian. Did my work. I was headed to get my A. The tests were good. The homework was good. The paper was done. Semester had passed. It was time for the final. I knew my stuff. I was going to ace this class. I studied. I was ready. I was prepared. The night before the test, the test was at 9 o'clock. The night before the test, I studied till 5 a.m. I knew the material, and it was lots of it. Well, I finished studying at 5. I said, I'll go to sleep till 7 like the foolish virgins that were fallen, that fell asleep before the bridegroom showed up. I fell asleep. I woke up at 10 o'clock. Can you imagine the sweat? Can you imagine the fear? Jumped into my pants as I was running out the door. As I walked to the class, all my friends were walking out of the class. I walked up to the, the teacher. I said, Dr. Matheny, I am so sorry. I fell asleep. Too bad. No, Dr. Matheny, I know the stuff. Well, that's too bad. You knew the rules. Test was at 9 o'clock. You can't take it now. Dr. Matheny, I need the A in this class. Sorry. And he would not even look at me, would not even talk to me. I followed him to his office. I sat down by his desk. I would not move because the Lord said to hold on to Terry and keep on knocking. I started crying. I said, Dr. Matheny, I got an idea. Why don't you take 20% off, 20 points off the test. Let my maximum grade be an 80. Give me that hit, but let me take the test. He did the math. He goes, you know, if you don't get that 80 exactly, you're still going to get a D in the class. You have no idea what that meant for me at that time. So I said, fine, give me the test. I took the test, brought it back, got 100 minus 20, walked away with an 80. The only C I ever got. It was devastating. Was I a student? Yes. Did I graduate? Yes. Did I suffer consequences? Yes. Were they painful? Very. If you think that we're going to go to heaven just as we are, saved as by fire, but I'm glad I'm in heaven. I'm a janitor. I'll stay by the door, but let me in. If you think that's the way that God wants you there, you are wrongly mistaken. Jesus is very certain about the way that he deals with 
with the slothful and the wicked. What does it mean that we, being saved, as we go before the throne of Jesus? What do you mean judgment? Well, let's take a look and see what the Lord Jesus says. Because this parable will actually show us much more. It doesn't just show levels of, of rewards, levels of satisfaction from the master. It doesn't just show that, but it actually sifts and shows the difference between those who are truly saved and those who are truly confused, tricked, and lost tricked by themselves. From Matthew chapter 24 all the way through our chapter, the Lord actually specifies five different times the importance and the reality that He will return, He will come back, and you must be prepared. That is the first step. Matthew 24, 36, concerning that day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven and nor the Son, but the Father only. And it's coming, it's true, it's real. Matthew 24, 42, therefore, stay awake. Why? For you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. Matthew 24, 44, therefore, you must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming, is coming, be ready, be prepared. Matthew 25, 13, the fifth presentation or mentioning, Watch therefore, for you do not know neither the day or the hour. What does it mean to watch? Does it mean just trying to guess when the Lord will return? No, it doesn't mean that. The fact that we don't know the day or the hour, does that mean that we must not be prepared and that we must not be working? We must be working. Actually, the thesis is, if you belong to Christ and you love His coming, you are working and you are producing fruit. How do I know that I'm saved? I find myself working for the Lord, not to be saved. It's because I am saved. The danger is, the one that is not working for the Lord, the one that is not producing fruit, he is not saved. So, why is the Lord giving this parable? I think we can sum it up what we see in Matthew 24, 45. Matthew 24, 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? That's for you and me. Who's the faithful servant? Am I faithful? For if I am not faithful, I'm not belonging to him. Who is preparing and who is working? Who is faithful and wise? Whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. What's the blessing? Here it is. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. The one thought I want to leave, or one of the thoughts I want to leave with you, or, or inseminate in your mind, is together with me, start thinking more and more about the kingdom. Not just the kingdom that belongs to Christ right now, the spiritual kingdom. If you have accepted Jesus in your heart, you belong to Him, you're in that kingdom. And also the visible kingdom, the people of God, the church, the church world, worldwide, the one that believes in the Word and nothing but the Word, right? We belong to Him as, as His 
soldiers of faith, in prayer, in love, in grace, the visible kingdom. However, let's start thinking about the kingdom when the Lord will return and He will rule on earth for a thousand years. And we will come back with the Lord Jesus during that time. And you will be on earth for a thousand years. The question is, what will you be doing? Because we keep thinking about heaven. We want to close our eyes and wake up in glory. And then and, and that's it. No more excuses and no more, nothing to be afraid of. We're in heaven. But we will be on earth with the Lord responsible. It says here, he will set him over all his possessions. All right. Think about the kingdom. Verses 14 and 15 launch us in the message. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, and he entrusted to them his property. There's something to that. That he relinquishes, he gives away what belongs to him, to his servants. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one. But don't forget, circle this, to each according to his ability. Understanding this phrase brings you right back into the book of 1 Corinthians when Paul talks to the church, say, listen, if you're the pinky in the hand, don't be envious of the thumb. If you're the eyes, don't be envious of the ears because we're all one and we're placed together in a harmonious combination to work as one. And God has given you talents and gifts according to what you can handle. But the beauty of that is what he has given you will give you full and overflowing satisfaction. Not having the time to be envious and say, well, how come I don't have that? How come I can't play the piano like that? Because I love the word. I live to read and teach and preach the word. That is what feeds me. As the piano may feed the other one. If I could, I would take you by the shoulders and say, Are you using your gifts? Do you even know your gifts? Because if we don't ask each other now, we don't live up to that now, we don't use what we've been given now, there comes a day of reckoning. When the Lord will look you in the eyes and ask you, what have you done with what I have given you? First principle of the text. It's a challenge. It's recognize. Recognize the importance of our responsibility. Awaken to it. He has given you responsibility not as an option, but as a mandate. You've been given something that is able to overcome the world and the gifts that you have. And that responsibility is both dear to his heart and necessary for your life in the here and now. We may answer the question, well, why aren't some people living their life abundantly? Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and you may live abundantly in its fullest in sense and, and joy that you're alive and people are miserable. This is one of the answers. Because using and living and exercising these gifts you've been given will satisfy your soul, will complete you. Recognize 
the importance of our responsibility. For it will be like a man. Well, what will be the kingdom? The kingdom of God will be like a man. In this case, Jesus, having come on earth. And as he goes to the Father, he gives each one gifts. Those who are saved and born again. As the Holy Spirit comes and makes his residence within your soul, with his arrival, he has given you gifts and talents. He has given you the tools. And you may say, well, I never knew that. That's why we begin with the Word of God, as He takes us one step at a time in learning about those gifts, what those gifts, the reward of living up using the gifts, and the consequences of not living with that responsibility. Matthew 25, 1, back at the beginning of our chapter about the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. And now, verse 14, the kingdom of heaven is implied, will be like a man going on a journey who called the servants. They belong to him, just like the disciples, and one of them was a Judas. They are a part of the gathering that call upon God. Yet, not all are truly belonging to Him. So this test, the carrying out and the living of and with these gifts, actually is a tester of who belongs to Him in truth and those that are just speaking it, not living it. Some years ago, actually, this is even before we have received that TV show, Undercover Boss. Have you seen that show, Undercover Boss, where the CEO of a company, he goes to his own company and he dresses up and puts on makeup and a whatever long wig, long hair wig, and, and, and goes among the workers to see how they behave and how they work and carry out the mission that he has given them, and they have no idea he's the boss, right? Well... The story is, years ago, a former American astronaut took over as the head of a major airline. And he wanted to see middle management, lower management, and how people worked. And he chose to walk through the headquarters one day before they really knew what he looked like. And as he's walking by, he comes to a certain area in a cubicle where there's a guy that's got his feet up on the desk, leaning back in his chair, and just reading a magazine. The phone is ringing, and the phone is ringing, and, and push, I can tell you, when that phone rings, you better pick up. And the phone is ringing, he's not picking it up, and, and the, man, the owner, he comes up to him and he says, excuse me, aren't you going to answer that phone? And the guy says, well, this is my department. He didn't care. He says, I work in maintenance. It's not my responsibility. You've met those people, right? They walk right by. Well, the one thing I like about, and I'm not going to mention their name, I go to, once in a while we go in the woods, we go uh, fishing or hiking, and all of these uh, uh, national park picnic areas. And before we leave, these people, they go and they pick up the garbage. Somebody else's garbage. I'm like, dude, it's not your forest. Yes. They want to leave it better than they found it. And they throw away the garbage from what other people have done. That's, that, that says a lot. Well, this guy says, not my responsibility. I'm from maintenance. And so the, the owner said, not anymore. Snapped the president. I think that we have misunderstood what it means that he is the king of kings. He's the ruler of all. He's our king. 
and we have responsibilities. As the song says, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. How good and loving our Heavenly Father is in all that He has entrusted and invested in us. Has given us the Holy Spirit, has given us gifts, that in living them out we bring Him glory, as one day we'll hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. The days that we're living in accentuate more and more the reality of eternity beyond this grave. So you got to ask yourself, am I living for the kingdom? What exactly is that? If I truly believe in Jesus and eternal life, how will that affect in the decisions I make today? Recognizing that responsibility that He has invested within us. Next week, as we look deeper in the Word, we'll recognize and see the wisdom of God's grace and what He has given you tailored just for your life that you live to the utmost to bring Him glory and out of that joy in your own life. Thanks for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone at 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at the same time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.